Okay, so how many of you have already started listening to Christmas songs? Okay, wow, okay. One of the things that we just culturally, we begin listening to these songs. We're raised on these songs. But as you saw in that video, there's a lot of people who don't even know what it is that we're singing about. And those interviews were not taken just off the internet. Those interviews were conducted right here locally. And those are people right in our community who are singing about, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and have no idea who Emmanuel is. And so for the next couple weeks, we're going to take some time to talk about these songs and talk even more explicitly about the scriptures these songs are built upon and talking about what is it that we're singing about. Uh, and I think you're going to enjoy this. And today, we're privileged to have a guest with us. Um, Reverend Dr. Uh, Rick Gillespie Mobley is here with us. Uh, what you uh, may um, connect with him more readily is this is Keon's dad. Uh, and he has been lead pastor at New Life at Calvary for, has it been over 20? Where did he, where did he go? Uh, he said, there you are. Over 20 years? Yeah. Okay. And so uh, on the side, just for fun, you're a lawyer, right? Uh, published author, photographer, um, and uh, probably even more famous for being married to Toby. Um, who also is uh, one of the pastors at New Life at Calvary. And so let's uh, give a warm welcome to Pastor Rick. Good morning. Praise God. Now, I hope Keon has taught you that I do expect you to respond a little bit while I'm preaching. All right. Uh, first of all, I want to say thank you all very much, uh, Bay Presbyterian Church, for the first 20-something years of our ministry over at Glenville New Life Community Church. You guys were a huge support in our summer program and our vacation Bible school program. And even today, I have adults come up to me in the street saying, thank you for those summer programs that your church did so many years ago. And I'm like, well, where are you? And they'll say, we're in such and such a church or this church or that church. So I just want to thank you from uh, Pastor Toby and Glenville for all the many, many years you so faithfully supported us because we still reap benefits from your ministry today. You were there for us when we initially started um, New Life Fellowship in the old Miles Park Presbyterian Church. And even though that church didn't survive, we still have people that we won to the Lord who are now a part of New Life at Calvary. And this past Thursday, we had a Thanksgiving dinner, and that family was a major role in hosting that dinner. So even though you don't always see how you touch lives, I want you to know you're still touching lives in the inner city of Cleveland, and we are grateful for your willingness to be what God has called you to be. And I thank you also for taking care of Keon. Please do not send him home. 
<laughs> we don't have a spot for him back at the church now. <laughs> so, so, so keep him here with you. <laughs> He's a wonderful son. Title of today's message is Emmanuel, God with us. Let's pray. Lord, as we look at your word this morning, speak to our hearts. Challenge us to move from where we are to where it is you would have us be in you. For it's in Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. How many of you have ever had someone say to you, I got some good news and I got some bad news? How many of you want to hear the good news first? How many of you want to hear the bad news first and get it over with? All right. Now, sometimes, though, in order to understand and appreciate the good news, you got to know what the bad news is. We are in the Christian, Christian season of Advent, and Advent literally means the coming or the arrival. And for, as, for us as believers, Advent is associated with Jesus Christ coming to this earth to provide salvation by his life, death, resurrection, and ascension. And even today, we as believers, we look forward to the second advent or the second coming of Jesus Christ when he comes in bodily form in order to judge the nations and to receive his church. Advent also refers to this period in the church's calendar, which um, consists of the first four Sundays before Christmas, in which we are actually preparing for the arrival of our Savior. And as Mark mentioned, you guys are going to be looking at Christmas carols for the next four Sundays and looking at the theology behind each one of them. Now, how many of you have been like I am, and you've been singing a song for years, and one day you just happen to be quiet while this song is playing, and you say, I never heard that word in that song before, and you've been singing something else for years. <laughs> and you slightly altered the meaning of the song without realizing. And sometimes when it comes to Christmas carols, we sing them and, and we think they're talking about one thing when in actuality they may be talking about something else. And today's carol is, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Now, when that song is sung, the, the tune and the key and the way it sings, there's a sense of both sadness and hope in that song. It's obvious that everything is going to change when Emmanuel finally arrives. Emmanuel literally means God with us. And it is only found four times in the Bible. You see, back then when they gave you a name, your name meant something. So not many people were going to be named God with us. Here he comes, God with us. Here she comes. No, you, you were not going to do that. So this name, Emmanuel, is only found um, these four times. 
Three times it's found in the book of Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, in chapter 7. And once it's found in the gospel of Matthew in chapter 1. And in both places, there is a struggle going on inside of a person who does not know exactly what to do. And God doesn't seem real close at the moment. Now, God's people were known as the nation of Israel. And God's people would often disobey God. They would go after idols to worship, and God would allow them to suffer the consequences. And then when things got bad enough, they would cry out, oh God, please help us. Now, a lot of times the consequences for their disobedience would be that the other nations around them would attack and conquer them. And like I said, when things got bad enough, they would often cry out to God. They wanted God, but they only wanted him as an ace in the hole, something in the back pocket they could pull out when there was a severe emergency. They did not seek to worship Almighty God as being worthy of honor and worthy of praise just because he is God. They wanted a God, but not a God who would expect them to change their lifestyles and live a holy and righteous life. Now, in Isaiah chapter 7, the king of Israel at the time was King Ahaz. And Jerusalem was his capital city. Two armies had completely surrounded the city of Jerusalem, but they couldn't overthrow the city. And Ahaz had just gotten word that these two kings had allied themselves with another king, and when he arrived, they would be able to take the city. Ahab and his people were absolutely terrified. They were completely surrounded. They were being held captive. And Ahaz himself was not walking with the Lord at this time. So uh, he had done just about everything God said don't do, including sacrificing one of his own sons in a fire to an idol. But God is gracious. How many of you know God is gracious? Even though he had done all this contrary to the word of God, even though the nation wasn't really following God at this time, God had compassion on him and on his people. And God sent the prophet Isaiah to King Ahaz. Really, it was kind of a confrontation. And he says to King Ahaz, he says, listen, I want you to know that God has decided those armies are not going to come in this city and God is going to set his people free. And he said, just so that you will know it's God that did it when it happens, what sign would you like for God to perform? And King Ahaz, he knew he was kind of being set up because if he asked for a sign, and God did it, then he would have to yield himself to God, which is something he really didn't want to do. So he told Isaiah, 
I'm not asking for any sign. And Isaiah says, okay, you want to act like that? I'm going to give you a sign anyways so that you will know God is the one that did it. He says, a virgin will have a child and the child will be called Emmanuel. And by the time the child is two years old, the nations that are attacking this city will be completely destroyed. Now, when the people heard about Isaiah's prophecy, how many of you know that was good news? When you are locked up in a city facing the possibility of famine and death, to hear that a Savior is coming, that's real good news. They probably prayed that this child, Emmanuel, would come and would come soon so that they could be delivered. Now, the second time we see the name Emmanuel show up is in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 1. We are introduced to Joseph, and the Scripture says that Joseph was a righteous man. Joseph was engaged to this beautiful young woman by the name of Mary. Now, being engaged back then was a lot different than being engaged today. Today, you can be engaged today and out of engaged by this evening with no problem. <laughs> it didn't happen like that back then. They had had an official engagement, which means their parents had exchanged dowry, had exchanged gifts. This thing was so solidified, you would have to get a divorce to break it off. What they would do is they would get engaged and then they would wait a whole year to consume the marriage. Now, part of the reason for this is they didn't have DNA testing back then. So, if the couple lived separate and apart for a year, you now know that any child that is born in that marriage is the father's child in that marriage. Okay, so here they are living separate and apart for it. And Mary, she's up in Galilee, uh, Nazareth, I believe, and an angel has come and talked to her. And after the angel talks to her, she goes for three months to be with her aunt, her cousin Elizabeth. And then Mary comes back and she runs up to Joseph and she says, I got some good news and I got some bad news. And, and Joseph says, well, let's hear the good news first. And Mary says, you'll never believe it. An angel came to me and he said, I'm going to give birth to the Savior of the world and the Holy Spirit is going to come upon me. It's going to be wonderful. And Joseph says, great. What's the bad news? She says, well, the bad news is, um, I'm already pregnant, so we don't have a whole lot of time to get ready for the child to come. How many of you know Joseph is thinking, whoa, there's some more bad news than this, or some worse bad news than this? Joseph is shocked. What would you be thinking if your fiancé went away for three months 
but she left unpregnant and she came back pregnant. And you know, you guys have never even come close to having sex with each other. And when you said, just tell me his name. And she said, the Holy Spirit. How many of you know you don't shout, hallelujah, the Holy Spirit did it. What should he do? This child coming into his life was a severe disappointment. But it's amazing what God can do with our disappointments if we just remain faithful to God. Joseph could have let his anger determine his next step, but he didn't. He really did want to do the right thing. And when it all is factored in, he has three choices. One, he could publicly humiliate Mary and accuse her of immorality and adultery. But if he did, under the law, she could possibly be stoned to death. Two, he can divorce her quietly and just kind of walk away, leaving her to raise the child in shame and poverty. Three, he can marry her and raise the child as if it were his own. What would you do? Joseph, being a righteous person, needed wisdom to make a decision. Unfortunately, he made a compassionate decision, but he made the wrong decision. Joseph decided to divorce Mary quietly without making any accusations. Jewish law, that means he would be financially responsible still for this child. He obviously cared for Mary because the scripture says he did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He also knew that in taking this route, his own reputation was going to be at stake. Many people would believe that he was the father of the child and that he had backed out for some unknown reason. Maybe he had found somebody else. You know, there's always plenty of gossip to go around. You know, sometimes even when we have all the facts in front of us, we still can't see the whole picture of what God might be trying to do. God may be up to something in a situation that we simply cannot understand with our earthly wisdom. The Gospel of John, it does not give us an account of the birth of Jesus, but it does begin with us letting us know that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The word for word is logos in the Greek. And it is associated with knowledge, reasoning, and wisdom. In O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, the third verse of the song asks for wisdom to come from on high and to put all things in order. Joseph didn't know it, but God had preordained this union between him and Mary. 
and God was going to see to it that it came to pass. And just when Joseph was about to feel okay with his course of action that he had planned to take, God sent him off in a totally different direction. When you make your plans, just know God still has the last say. And God still can turn you in a completely different direction. For the scriptures tell us there in Matthew chapter 1, verse 20, but after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. You know, I think Joseph really agonized over his decision, and I think that he really just wanted God to give him some kind of message of what it is God really wanted him to do. Um, even though he had suffered what, what was a terrible loss for him. And God gave this dream to Joseph. You know, it's a good thing that Joseph didn't go and get some counsel on this dream because ain't no telling what kind of advice he would have gotten. Somebody would have told him that, look, man, that's just love playing on your mind. You just need to let that thing go. Somebody would have told him, you only had that dream because you ate too much for Thanksgiving. Somebody, <laughs> who knows what somebody would have said to him. But what I want us to realize is that even when it seems as though God has forgotten about us because God has been silent, God is still looking over our situation. And God still knows how to reach out to us and when to intervene. Thank God that Joseph wasn't going to let anybody try to talk him out of what he dreamed. He was willing to go and humble himself before Mary and beg her forgiveness for not believing her. He was willing to endure the scorn and ridicule of others who labeled him as, ah, there's Joseph, the guy that just couldn't wait till his wedding night. He wasn't as righteous as they first had thought in their eyes. But sometimes you can't worry about what other people are going to say about you. Sometimes you just got to go and do what God told you to do. Joseph's goal was to get back on track thanks to the wisdom that had come from on high. Scripture says when he woke up, he went to get Mary and took her home as his wife. But they waited until after Jesus was born before they had had sex with each other. And then the Holy Spirit used the writer of Matthew, Matthew himself, to connect this event in the Old Testament with this event in the New Testament by saying in verse 22, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. You see, there are several things that happen in the Old Testament that obviously have a double meaning in prophecies when it comes to the Messiah and this, the virgin giving birth and calling the son Emmanuel, is one of them. 
But now Mary and Joseph are in the position to look forward together to the coming of this child. There is no doubt in either of their minds that Jesus is going to be something different. The angel that came to Joseph in the dream gave Joseph the privilege of naming this child Jesus. For it is this child that will save his people from their sins. You know, when God first called Abraham, and this is back in Genesis, nobody was serving God at the time. God calls Abraham, and he tells Abraham he, well, Abraham becomes what we consider the father of the Jews. That's where we get Jews and Gentiles. Now that Abraham is here, we start the Jews, the Gentiles, all the rest of us are still there. But when God first called Abraham, he had everybody else in mind. Because Genesis 12, 1 through 3 says, The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. And I will make you into a great nation. And I will bless you, and I will make your name great. And you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. When he called Abraham, he said, all peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. Jesus, being a descendant of Abraham, is how God has fulfilled that promise. You see, in the final stanza of O Come, O Coming, Emmanuel, we see the cry for the desire of nations to come and bind all people in one heart and mind. My friends, this is exactly what Jesus Christ has come to do. For the scriptures tell us in Christ there is neither Jew nor Greek, male nor female, slave nor free. There is neither urban nor suburban. There is neither black nor white, nor green nor purple. There is neither young or old. Jesus Christ came to reach all of us. And God revealed in the coming of Jesus Christ that we can all be reconciled to God. And God has given us this ministry of reconciliation to let others know there is a God who wants to be in a right relationship with all of us. And even in our worst moments of sin, our God is so merciful. He is still reaching out to us in love. You see, there is a world that desperately needs to know the goodness and the mercy of our God. We thank God for you and the possibility of working with New Life at Calvary to possibly start a church on the west side of the city of Cleveland because we all share the same goal of reaching unbelievers for Christ wherever we may find them. You know, the good news of Advent and Christmas is that the Savior who will forgive sins is coming into the world. But the bad news is that we are all in desperate need of a Savior to be saved from our sins, but most of us don't know it. Far too many of us deceive ourselves into thinking we really aren't that bad. It all depends on who you're comparing yourself to. Some of us think, sure, we fall short here and there, 
But overall, we're pretty decent individuals. But my friends, the cross of Jesus Christ says otherwise. It wasn't the birth of Jesus that cleanses us from our sins. In connection with Advent and Christmas, the scriptures state that Jesus shall save us from our sins, pointing toward something yet to come in the future. And that future, I mean, Jesus was born of a virgin because he had to be in order to be in the position of later on paying the cost for our sins. You see, the crucifixion of Jesus lets us know that our sin is more than just a mistake or a bad choice or something else kind of trivial. It was the painful death of Jesus Christ on the cross, the nails going through his hands, the nails going through his feet, his being isolated from the Father when he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It was when he was able to say, it is finished. It was the blood coming out of his side. It was the burial into the grave. It was the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead that made it possible for our sins to be forgiven. The whole purpose for Emmanuel to come was to change in our relationship to God. You see, when our relationship to God changes, then there's hope for our relationships with one another. The peace that we often sing about for, for Christmas, it really comes from knowing Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and walking in step with him. My friends, as you look at your own life, where do you need to invite Emmanuel to come into your life this Christmas season? I don't know what your situation might be. You may be going through something different, difficult. You may be struggling with wanting to be set free from something that has you captive. I want you to know that inviting Christ into your life can mean all the difference of how you experience this Advent and this Christmas. Is there something you're going to have to let go of as Joseph did in order to discover God's plan for your life? Invite Emmanuel into your disappointments and see what it is that God might do. Or again, if there's some brokenness that you have, just like they were captive in that city without hope, God can meet you right where you are. And he can have you singing, rejoice, rejoice, because he has ransomed you. Amen. Let's pray. Hallelujah, God. Hallelujah. God, you are an awesome and an incredible God. We thank you, God, that no matter how dark our deeds, how messed up our lives, you still desire to come and be a part of us so that we can be a part of you. Lord, if there's one here today that doesn't know just how much you love them and how much you care, surround them with your grace and with your mercy. And for that one, oh Lord, who, who's struggling, just give them your peace. Let them know 
that you are able to walk with them through this situation. And God, for that one who has been disappointed, let them know you're the God of disappointments and you can turn any situation around. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.